Welcome to episode 255. On this one, we're having a lovely old chit-chat with a Hashimoto's patient, sufferer, or probably more appropriately, a thriver, having gone on the journey and figured a lot out on her own. And in case you're not sure what Hashis is, it's an autoimmune disorder in which the thyroid gland gradually is destroyed by the body. It's pretty serious and loads of people, especially those with weight issues, have thyroid complications and are susceptible to Hashimoto's. And on this episode, we talk about the contribution that stress, personality types, and thinking models have in regards to both your illness, your thyroid, and the path to recovering your body and your thyroid health. So let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Wrap to have you back. And I know that you might listen to this episode at literally any time of your life or any time of the year. But this week in Melbourne town, the sun is out and Melbourne is feeling really good. And don't I need that sun since it comes along with the necessary vitamin D that I need for this really white ass body that I've got and this seemingly sedentary household pleb life that I appear to have found myself in running all of this podcast and business 10 feet from my bed. (laughs) By the way, did you know, speaking of vitamin D and, you know, this time of year living in this part of the world, we don't really create much vitamin D in the skin as a result of exposure to sun during winter in this part of the world, and this part of the world being Melbourne, Australia, and, and this lower part of Australia as well as New Zealand, which is probably exactly why I need a European summer to come at me about now, <laughs> or possibly very soon, or maybe I even need to move to Queensland, some of the northern states of Australia, which stay warm and sunny all year round. <laughs> anyway, In 2023, it's my mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycle so they can lose weight whilst feeling in control and without restriction along the way. So who have we got in the studio with us today? A fellow Aussie, a fellow podcaster, and a lovely human named Annabelle Bateman, whom among many things is a Hashimoto's patient, a veteran, you might say, after 25 years with the autoimmune condition, but she is so much more than her condition. She's an author, an advocate, a coach, and it's all centered around the little butterfly gland in her neck. And if you've still got one, I'm talking about the thyroid gland. Utilizing skills learned in her previous career as a lawyer and a family law mediator, as well as an author, Annabelle seeks to empower, educate, and encourage women with thyroid conditions to develop their own thyroid-friendly lifestyle approach to their health so they can thrive and not get stuck in that godforsaken survival mode, which has not got much going for it besides the actual surviving part. (laughs) She hosts an absolute gem of a podcast, which she was kind enough to invite me on to episode 60 a little while back. And that show is called Let's Talk Thyroid. She also has a book called Let's Talk Thyroid. And you probably guessed it today, we're going to be talking about Winemaking in the Barossa Valley. <laughs> no, we're talking about thyroid. Annabelle, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me on. It's nice to have another chat and reconnect and, yeah, as I say, talk to another Aussie. There's lots of, I love talking to people all around the world, but love talking to fellow Aussies, especially in the podcasting space. Great. Oh, and it's so refreshing to do a podcast at a reasonable hour. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've had a few lately where I'm like, oh, the booking options are only at one o'clock in the morning. Is there any <laughs> yeah. other way we could possibly? <laughs> so yeah, 
first thing in the morning, perfect. Totally. So you went from being a lawyer into being like a thyroid expert advocate. And that's a, that in my mind is a massive flip of roles for the very little that I know about being a lawyer. So I'm really curious at what point of your health journey, your own personal struggles, did you think the information I'm getting or that I'm receiving from the, you know, the practitioners or professionals in my life is in, is, has such a degree of insufficiency that I need to take over advocating for myself. Like, can you walk us through that journey? Oh gosh. Yeah. As you say, being kind of a veteran, that made me sound really old, (laughs) but I have lived with Hashimoto's for, I I say really the better part of my life, um, but at least for the last 25 so years. So it's sort of, it it all kind of, to be honest, some of that blurs, um, but like I was certainly given the standard information when I was 22 or 23, when I was diagnosed, which is take this pill for the rest of your life and you'll be fine. Off you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I think when I look back, even way back then, and that was before Google and before the internet and before, you know, any of that, I, I did have a good G. Like I've got to say, by and large, I've had good GPs, general practitioners, um, which has been incredibly helpful because some people have doctors that really don't know anything and don't maybe want to know anything about managing thyroid health well. But when I look back, that GP I had, even back then, was I, like I would find things, like I found some cassettes. So like, so I'm 48. I'm a bit older than you. So I was talking about cassettes back in the, that would have been the mid-1990s. I had cassettes as a kid. Come on. <laughs> I, I remember taking my Walkman to school and like recording on the radio and having to like press pause and record and like capture it and try and not get the ads. So, and, yep. and by the way, for anybody listening, Annabelle does not remotely look her age because she's so incredibly healthy. <laughs> that was very kind. Um, so anyway, I found these cassettes and look, I'm going to say my mum's a nurse and so that probably helped too in that mm. I can't really remember but somewhere be- we were probably just open to, well, what, you know, what else can we, can we do? And I came across these tapes all about using yam cream, like pro- I think it was like a progesterone cream mm-hmm. and... I don't even really know if I use it for long, but I just really, like I took these cassettes into my doctor and he listened to them and then oh, he talked about them next time. I know. So when I look back, I think, you know, look, I don't know if I really did it for long or it helped, but I think I must have been open to other things back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what really got me to probably the, really that's probably been the last 10 years or so that I've really, really kind of grasp the importance of all the other things other than just taking my thyroid medication. But in mm. the 15 years or so before that, it's probably been speckled with visits to naturopaths and taking supplements and um, dabbling in dietary changes, but not really wanting to, not really believing that it would make a difference. And it's, so I think it's been this, it, an, absolutely a long gradual journey to get to the point where I'm sold out. These diet and lifestyle things make a complete difference. Um, and whilst I've had good medical care, I'm very aware that the majority of people don't. And so I think I'm just naturally one of those people that when I find something that I like or that I work, I like to share it. So I think it's just sort of I like to share my experiences and if that helps people, 
great. If it doesn't, that's okay. And so it's just sort of, I don't know, just it's just come out of me over time. I think it's probably how it's happened. Yeah, and no, I think it's great. And it's 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 funny as you were just talking there about you know like that desire to share. I had a random thought. I was at this talk years ago, but the random fact is that multi-level marketing industry was created specifically because women love to share. And it was like, it was rich, rich white men trying to make use of their stay at home wives that would catch up. And because at at like, you know, um, brunch or whatever, they'd be like, Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So this is how I'm staying fabulously beautiful and all these things before surgery and that, um, that that desire for women to share what's working for them is mm. definitely something that isn't a thing as a man. Like you really have to tease it out of men to be yeah, like, what's, what are you doing for yourself? Because yeah. they're admitting then they're admitting that they're getting help, or that uh-huh. they're like. Whereas mm. women are like, I got help. It's so, like it's so much easier if I do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, how interesting. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It totally makes sense. Yep, yep. <laughs> totally. So yeah. random tangent, but um, yeah. Did you? I'm really curious to know. So. I find a lot of people that go on this sort of health journey, they, um, and I get a lot of people that come to me and, and this is more in a disease setting that have, you know, with my background in the cancer hospital, they've basically tried conventional therapy a couple of times and their maybe their granddaughter or their daughter has been listening to my podcast for years and they've been in their mum's ear or their dad's ear or their friend's ear. I'm like, Maddie thinks differently about this. You've got to talk to Maddie. And then it takes them three or four failed attempts at the conventional treatment before they're kind of ready to open up their experience to what else is out there that might be able to help. And so was that your path in the sense of like you weren't exposed to natural health or natural medicine growing up or anything like that and you needed to go on this journey to be like, well, medicine's not feeling amazing and it's not helping much and you sort of tried that a few times, or did you grow up in an environment with your mum as a nurse that was also open to chiropractic and, you know, naturopathy and all of these other things? So from the get-go, you were sort of open to that? Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I think I probably sit somewhere in between because I, so mum's a nurse. I mean, she hasn't worked as a nurse for a long time now, but she mm-hmm. would say that she's pretty mainstream medical nurse like when, and when she was was a nurse you just she said you just if the doctor said jump you said how high like you were just you just did what you were told you were you know um and so you know in my household unless you were nearly dead you could couldn't get a day off school because she's not dying <laughs> so you know so um and we were like I was a child of the 80s so like I think we followed probably pretty mainstream I don't know about medical advice, but well, probably mainstream approach to life and diet and lifestyle. Uh, certainly, yep. like I think I did every eighties diet. <laughs> you know, when we talk diet, diet, dieting, I've done them all. I think. Yeah, I'm curious while you while you're on that, like mm. when you say the eighties diets, can you reel off a few? Like, oh yeah, um, Rosemary Connolly, hip and thigh, Weight Watchers, the Israeli Army diet, drop a dress size by Saturday. Um, Whoa. I don't know. That's just, yeah. Um, the <laughs> Israeli army diet. That sounds savage. It was savage. It was like eat, it was eat, you ate like apples for two days, chicken for two days, cheese for two days. Something, <laughs> I don't know. It, it wasn't the best. It wasn't really a, a really spaced one. out charcuterie board <laughs> for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the purpose was, but anyway, cheese for two days. You can imagine what that does to the insides. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, yeah. High carb, low fat. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Cottage cheese, grapefruit, and tuna. That's, they're the things that stand out to me from 80s diets. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and the other thing too with the medical industry is I feel like, and I could be wrong, I mean, I was alive in the 80s very briefly. Um, but so I have no memory, but um, I can imagine the medical industry in the 80s was probably far less damaging than it is now. Um, and pe- maybe people, you know, and I'm generalizing, but maybe the further we go back in time, doctors were probably more open minded to diet, lifestyle, and all of these other things mm. as well, as, as opposed to now they're quite very obviously to me indoctrinated into a very specific way of thinking and actively taught to shun everything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. it, it yeah. I think you're probably right. And so it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That sort of that 40 years is really, there's been mm. a massive change in the, the health, <laughs> sickness, disease, wellness space. But yeah, so maybe that's why the response I got from my GP early mm. on was like, he was very open to listening and learning. And I, I, I don't yeah. remember him telling me to do, like, I don't think it was more that he was a willing, a, a willing, willing to listen and go along with my things rather than he wasn't driving it. But yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. It's interesting. But I went to chiropractors, early, you know, early on. Um, so I think that's where I was probably a bit of a hot, a, mainstream but a little bit open mm, it's probably yeah. where my family sits and and it, yeah as this time's gone on I think it's just my desire to learn I, like I do think I I like to learn and I like to understand why um mm-hmm. and that's probably what's made a big difference as you're talking there like it relates to my my youth as well my mum's a nurse and oh, I don't even remember having a day off sick like it just <laughs> wasn't a thing it's like unless, yeah unless you're dying everybody's got to go to work so no one's here to look after you so look after yourself <laughs> well that's right that was true too that was exactly <laughs> true too except my little brother he's not so little anymore I guess but you know he had asthma as a child and so my recollection was like ah oh, Richard always got the day off school like he just had to kind of uh, half right. cough and he got the day off school but we never got to you know so yeah totally yeah well, and, and you, you just sort of touched on it there as like, you know, your personality, like you want to share, like what kind of personality do you think someone has to have? Or do you see this with people you work with in order to step into that ownership role of their health? Because I think, you know, we're very conditioned and it's nobody's fault. Um, we're very conditioned to outsource responsibility. That's what we're taught from a very young age. It's like, you know, the car goes to the mechanic, your body goes to the doctor's. Um, and you're not sort of responsible for anything that happens in between. So do you think there's a particular type of personality that steps into that ownership or is it just a wearing down of one's willpower over time to the point that they've got no choice? <laughs> well, I, I, don't know, I don't know if I'd describe it as a wearing down of willpower, but I think there probably is an, an element of a wearing down. Like if you feel so crappy for so long, you probably get you're desperate enough to try anything. And I think maybe that's the same I'm not, yeah, I think, so I think there's an element of that. I think there are certainly people that, um, you know, you just that feel bad. Sometimes it takes a while to realise that you feel bad because, you know, I think when you, if you've had a chronic thing like Hashimoto's, it goes for a long time and it can creep up. So you don't always, it's not like I felt great and then I tripped over and broke my leg and now I can't walk. It's sort of this gradual thing. So some things happen gradually and then when you realise, oh, great, I do feel crap, well, maybe I can do something about it. So I think there is that you've got to get to the point of 
some people have to get to the point of feeling really desperately unwell before they're prepared to make some changes or look for alternatives. Or like you said before, maybe try the mainstream approach Mm. several times. And that would be, to be fair, that's probably me. Whilst I kind of dabbled in some of the, the, the broader holistic approach, I probably didn't take it seriously until about, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, and I don't think I understood, and I think that for me that was the knowledge of not really understanding why do I need to make these changes. And once I understood that, it made it easier to make them. Um, and so, but does that come into personality other than the being worn down by, you know, desperation? <laughs> um, I think, I think, yeah, I, I think there is. There are some personalities that maybe it's the wanting to be in control and you just want to, and I think that's probably some of my personality is I want to know, I want to understand, I want to, because then I might be able to do something about it. I, I, want, to, I want to be in control of it. And I think that's yeah. definitely a personality thing. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess an extension of that too, like that question I guess is, is I know that uh, there's been a bit of research done in a few areas in regards to personality and illness. Um, and I know that if you go, if, especially if we look into like the metaphysical realm and the books that have been written, there's a lot of books that have been around for a long time that just have a giant list of conditions and all of the psychology mindset kind of stuff that would have contributed to causing that situation. In your experience working with people, is Hashimoto's thyroid conditions is that related to people that have a similar type of personality to you? Oh, it can be. There are different there are different trends. And I think when you do talk to, you know, when I've talked to practitioners on the podcast and in, you know, and my practitioners as well, you know, mm-hmm. I say, you know, am I, you know, is this kind of not am I not am I normal? But you know, uh yeah, yeah, they definitely see a trend, this sort of the Taipei driven um so there's lots of different elements to that and maybe we'll unpack some of that. But I think there is a trend and when I went looking for studies on it, I came across a study done in France. Do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I only found, I thought, is, would anyone have studied thyroid and personality? Like I thought, I don't know, but it would be really fascinating. So I just, you know, get onto PubMed and thyroid personality, I think is probably what I put in the search terms. And I came across this, there's only been one that I could find, but one mm-hmm. study done in France and it wasn't, it was more about diabetes actually, but they, what they did was they got, they wanted to see, was there a difference in personality between type one and type two diabetes? So the autoimmune component versus the lifestyle. And they used autoimmune thyroid patients sort of as the control group. Mm-hmm. So they had some yep. Hashimoto's, some Graves, but it was autoimmune thyroid as opposed to non-autoimmune thyroid. And what they found was that there was this correlation between the type 1 diabetes and the autoimmune thyroid having more of a propensity to having a type A personality. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, there's one study that shows that there is, you know, um, maybe, a con- maybe a connection between that autoimmune disease and personality. And um, so, so there's one. I hope, that, hope someone goes and does some more studies on it because I think it's really interesting. Well, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, the way that somebody shows up in the world usually then uh, means that they engage in a set of belief systems which lead to a set of behaviours um, and, you know, especially, I mean, for women in 
every personality, like especially mums, like stress runs their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the modern world is just so overstimulated in so many different ways that it's just hard to escape stress. And I think that, um, yeah, people that naturally want to be, you know, type A, and I would probably consider myself type A as well, um, you know, in control over everything, all the knowledge, need a question answered, I need the information in my head, like, you know, let's do it right now. Um, and all of that just continues to add to a bucket of stress, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the connection really is that that personality is driven by stress. So yeah, Mm. high, high stress, internal stress. We we bring Mm. that stress upon ourselves in just by being (laughs) who we are, you know, (laughs) that because we want to achieve and do and fit lots in and, you know, sometimes be everything to everyone and give you know, you know, I think at the extreme people, well, maybe not so extreme, but I think in a, I mean, I generally, I believe that we're meant to have the personality we've got and that's not all bad. So when I'm talking about this here, you know, I think there's so many ways that, you know, a a thyroid personality person um, can use their personality for a mate, you know, amazing success and health and wellness, but there is an edge to it. And so I think being aware of the edge is important because that's where we can get a little un, you know, unstuck or we, you know, bit kind of live counterproductively. But for some people, it, it's that giving, 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 giving. And you'll obviously that in the mum space, that's really easy to do. And it's really easy just yeah. to give and make your life all about your kids and different stages. Obviously it's, it, you know, <laughs> it, it just is more like that when they're little, but it is that, but I think if you don't have boundaries, if you don't set boundaries, if you've got this sort of, I call it a little bit reckless, like reckless giving, um, then yeah, that stress bucket just overflows and then you've got nothing to give to anyone and then you can't help anyone. <laughs> so that, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting, it is interesting. And yes, I, like as I've talked to other, I talked to a lot of you know, obviously patients or, you know, fellow patients and it definitely, not everyone identifies with that, obviously, it's a broad thing. Thyroid affects a lot of women. Not everyone's going to be a type A type perfectionist type personality, but certainly a lot seem to be. You mentioned boundaries. Uh, I'm super curious because I, I think across the board, thyroid or any illness and disease, like stress seems to be a major part of that challenge for a lot of men, women, children, like everybody, uh, whether it be past trauma, whether it be just the stories we tell ourselves about daily life. And I think that kind of is what I thought of when you said, you know, stress that we kind of internalize and inflict upon ourselves. It's mostly just stories that are going around our mind about, oh, I've got to do that for this person. And I've got to bring the mother-in-law and I've got to cook this for them. And it's like, they're all just belief systems, which are super hard to let go of in the, in the beginning. Um, and it takes, you know, a, quite a journey in order to get to a place to rewrite those. But where would like where did you begin, or did you, were you someone that always had healthy boundaries and was able to communicate that, or like where does someone begin in putting boundaries in place? Because I feel like that's kind of the beginning to reducing that stress mm. and not taking it on. Yeah, that's a great question. Gosh, that's like probably ten podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's Amazing. a really good there's a really good book called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. That would be probably mm-hmm. where I would suggest someone start. It's probably, I probably read that along twenty years ago. Um, so that probably helped. I'm a big reader of 
you know, that type of, I'll call it self-help or health, you know. Um, But I think it's understanding that probably one would be understanding boundaries aren't selfish Mm. because I think that's often we can feel like, oh, and I'm not, I'm not one of these people that believes everything's about me and, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about helping other people and my, you know, I feel like my purpose is not to live, my purpose isn't to be happy, it's to be purposeful and to, you know, help people. And, but I can't do that if I've worn myself out. And so that's where yeah. I think boundaries, they're not selfish. It's not, it's not, but they're really, it's really about managing your own expectations and responsibilities so that you can have the energy to go and be you in your world, you know. And um, so I think it's a, that's probably a good starting point. It's not yeah. selfish uh, to have boundaries. And if you don't have boundaries, you're going to end up not being able to do anything forever. You know, you, you end up resentful and, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of a pendulum, right? Because And especially with social media and, you know, we kind of, I feel like, and maybe I'm just in my own little bubble of naivety, but I feel like we're kind of coming out of the the idea of self-help is um, all about me. And I, I and we're starting to realize that like we've kind of gone on this journey of like, fix me, my trauma, oh my God, you know, everything's bad and like everything's hard. And then we're coming out the other side realizing a little bit um, like it's it's about, you know, we're changing that story. It's building resilience and it's it's understanding that like, oh, this conditions me to be able to provide, teach, educate, share in a way that empowers and prepares the next generation or my friends or my listeners or my followers. Um, and so like, cause I definitely got stuck in the, in that uh, wormhole of self-help for, for me where I was just like, yeah, everything's about me and everybody has to change in my world to deal with my traumatic responses and triggers to everything. And, um, and you know, that was just obviously, you know, being a bit childlike at the time, but possibly part of the journey, you know, you need to go into that level of selfishness in order to come out the other side and be like, Oh, I had a lot of learning from that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and now I realized that I was a bit of a dickhead and, uh, now I'm back and I'm getting over that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. well, that's part of the, the life's journey toward maturity, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, yeah. Totally. Well, yeah. And I think on that pendulum too. So we swing all the way to like self-help and like, introspection and possibly selfishness, but maybe necessary selfishness. And then we swing all the other way to, which is maybe where people are already stuck, which is like service to others and giving yourself away. Um, And it's like this kind of back and forth. So it ends up like give, 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 break down, get sick, go home, you know, have a few days off, go back into your bubble for three days, try and collect yourself. And then you collect yourself enough to just get back into giving mode um, and I, I really like that expression you use too, reckless giving. Like, um, I think that's that's really cool. Um, and then we just kind of pendulum back and forth. So finding uh, that that happy medium where we're like, oh, I'm giving enough, I'm self caring enough, is probably really hard to identify for people. Yeah, and maybe we're never really in the sweet spot. Maybe we're always somewhere slightly, you know, to the side of the the middle of the pendulum. But um, yeah, I just yeah. I think it's just uh, maybe that's part of being, being aware, but I, I think uh, well, I think the other thing I thought about with the boundaries is I think we need to count the cost, you know, and because every time we're saying yes to something, we're also saying no to something else. And if mm-hmm. we just say yes all the time, 
um, because we don't want to disappoint or upset or, you know, and it's a bit like that example you said before, you cook this meal or ring that person or, you know, some of those things are all good, you know, mm. and that's fine. And maybe that is what you're going to do. But if someone says, oh, can you just cook this meal for that other, you know, that person? Well, yeah, let me just think about that for a sec. Yep, I can. Or actually I can't this week, but I could next week. Like mm-hmm. it's just that having that time to stop and and I, I do think we need to count the cost because everything that we do it means that we can't do something else. So it's easy to get distracted on lots of really good things that aren't really maybe what that they're not the right thing for that for you for that moment or you know. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook, And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think another part of that is like becoming okay with cancelling and postponing because most a lot of people think, not that I think anyone should just all of a sudden become unreliable, but like a lot of people are like, oh, I've said yes, I absolutely have to do it. And having the courage to be like, hey, I totally overcommitted this week and I just, I'm not going to show up as my full self or the lasagna is not going to be great if I fit that into the mix, you know, whatever it is. Um, and and just being like, you know what, yeah, I've, I've made a mistake here in overcommitting and I just can't get it done. Or um, And that level of communication makes people feel like they're being a letdown. Um, so I think there's a story to change there as well of like, yeah, putting boundaries in place. But after, because like I'm sure we've all committed to something and then been like, why did I say yes to that? Or we've yeah. come home to our partner and our partner's like, why are you doing that? Like, you don't want to do that. You don't even like those people. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, 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 that's a tricky one. I still, I don't know, I'm still in the, like I was definitely brought up that yes is your guess and you do it regardless. Like, and so I think mm-hmm. that's probably why I think you've got to count the cost because if you're going to say you're going to do something, then you're going to do it. And yes, but, but I also hear what you're saying is to, to be able to say, look, look, in all honesty, I really bit off way too much. I didn't think it through. I'm really sorry. I've let you down. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I actually can't come through this time. Um, yeah. And that's a really, I, that, I mean, that is a really great way of managing that. Yeah. In the way that you, you've said, but uh, I, I guess the, the ideal, if we can live in that world of ideals, is that, well, I think if we find that we're doing that or we're cancelling too often, um, 
And I think we've all know people that do that. And for me, as someone that's a bit of a a commitment freak, that drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, yeah, do it. But then can you learn? Like, you know, if if you find that you're cancelling or pulling out often, then maybe that's a that's a good opportunity to go, well, actually maybe I do need to slow down and stop and think before I commit to doing something and not just say yes on the spot. But I need to be yeah. more, you know, thoughtful around what, you know, what can I do this and then then be there and present myself in the you know the best way. Yeah. Well and I think that opens a whole a whole conversation about just general communication, right? Because yeah, if you're if you've got the friend or you are the friend that is always cancelling and being unreliable, you've it's kind of it's in a way it's the response of the responsibility of the person that's been cancelled to pipe up and say, "Hey, you know, we've booked this in three times. I'm putting time aside. Um, I'm look, what's going on? Can I help? Um, I'm not gonna or I'm not gonna book anything. You know, next time they come back around, just say, I'm not I'm not gonna put this in the calendar because." You're, yeah, you, you always cancel and I could spend my time in a better way. But you would obviously word it in a better way. But, um, you know, the point is that I think becoming communicable on both sides of that problem is just a healthy step forward for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Look, and if we can get to that point as a society where we can all have that healthy interpersonal <laughs> communication, what a better world we'll be in. <laughs> but oh, it start, yeah, totally. but you're right. It starts with us on our individual levels. So, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, obviously everybody just needs to be like us and the the world will be a better place. (laughs) Oh, look, if only, you know, if only we were perfect, eh? (laughs) I'm still working on it. Yeah, me too, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And I think when you often, you're aware of it, you realise, oh gosh, oh, yep, muck that one up, muck that one up, yep. (laughs) So it's... Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I regrettably do audits on my life (laughs) every now and then and I'm like, shit, I suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we pick ourselves up and move on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the context of like anybody with hashies or like thyroid conditions, where do you, where do you suggest that they begin working on this personality element? Because obviously we've all got a personality that's ingrained um, and a lot of people, and I include myself in this, like go through a phase or are there permanently where they're like, this is who I am, you know, too bad, deal with it. You know, I, you know, I have a health condition because, you know, I'm too busy. I'm addicted to my work and it can't change this idea that it's, you know, concrete and cemented. So, you know, where would you suggest people start in regards to working on their personality in a way that maybe allows them to um, have boundaries, communication skills, uh, be able to say no to st- and fundamentally stop filling the stress bucket? Mm. Well, I think part of it is, is really understanding the impact that stress has on your thyroid. Mm-hmm. because for me that's really made a big difference is the more I understand just what an impact stress has and then how my personality can feed into that stress because for me often the stress, it is internal. It's not my, my external world is fairly stress-free as much as anybody's life is stress-free. You know, I don't, my kids aren't little anymore. I have a great husband. We have a, we live a good life. I've got nice friends, family, you know, I don't have any kind of external, you know, major difficulties going on mm-hmm. right now, which I'm incredibly grateful for. So I'm aware that a lot of my stress is inbuilt. It's the pressure I put on myself. It's the, and so 
I've had to understand what an impact that actually has on my thyroid health. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe doing a bit of digging into the impact of the, the connection between stress and thyroid as a starting point, you know, because it's, we, it's easy, you know, I think the biggest space, uh, the biggest change that most people do end up making with hashies is diet. And I think diet can make a massive difference. So I'm a hundred percent, I'm all about that. But yeah. I think then we underestimate in a sense, that's easier to control. It's easier to change. It's not easy to change by any stretch. I don't mean it's easy, but it's <laughs> easier than working out how to deal with our day-to-day stress for a lot of us, particularly with that kind of driven type A perfectionistic type of yeah. personality. And so I think that's something that I, I'm increasingly learning. Um, I'm constant. I, I'm being reminded the, the older I get, which um, the more I've lived this, you know, what an impact that has. And so understanding that has made it feel like, well, I actually have to do this for my health. This isn't about even setting boundaries and just being chilled out. So I'm kind of this chilled out person. This is about my health. And so. I, I have to do this. Like it's not really an option. And well, I guess I can use my personality to work with those things. Like I do like to be in control. So why not be in control of my calendar and what I say yes and no to and mm-hmm. um, control the controllables um, and yeah. you know, use that, you know, like I do like to, to learn and, um, kind of be on top of things so use that personality to do that in that space so you know I think I talk in my book about be be like the best stress relieving person best unwinder that you can be (laughs) you know know, set yourself a goal like often people with that kind of type a personality are pretty goal oriented set a Mm -hmm. goal around I don't know saying I'm not going to take on any responsibility until I've given it 24 hours thought I'm not going you know I'm not going to say yes to any social engagement until 24 hours after I'm invited or you know just set yourself a a goal around um, I'm going to do two minutes of meditation a day or Mm. one minute or I'm going to sit down and do a jigsaw puzzle for 10 minutes or like set yourself goals around that because I think our personalities work with that so let's work with our personalities to help bring that part of our personalities and lives just a little bit Karma. Yeah, no, I totally like that. It's it's like the um, you know, the the social uh, extrovert that goes and gets a personal trainer or goes to the gym by themselves at five a.m. in the morning and then doesn't really sustain it. And it's like, hey, join a class. You'll rock up like ten times longer because you just want to see the people there. And then, oh, by accident, you'll kind of maybe burn some calories or burn some body fat. Um, so I think yeah, setting up our environments for our personality is so important because. In any health context, we're kind of told, you've got to do it like this. Um, and then it's like, oh, it doesn't, you know, I don't seem to be able to implement it or do it the way that others seem to be able to do it. And it just turns out we just need to set the same tasks up in a way that, yeah, caters to your personality, just like you're t- talking about. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's a, a genius hack, despite how like small that it sounds to people. It's like, do things that cater to who you are. Oh, yeah, I think that's, it sounds so simple, but it's incredibly difficult often to do. Yeah. 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 And to be consistent with, with doing that because, yeah, it all gets, <laughs> yeah. Because in the end, 
we are still human and we still, you know, we, yeah, we're, we're not, we're on this ever-evolving quest of <laughs> towards wisdom and <laughs> that's the way I look at it. Uh, so I like that. So following on from that, uh, what, what came to mind as well was thinking about some of the people that I work with as well, which inevitably will have challenges with their thyroid, whether they know it or not, um, is like these personalities that maybe in the past have, you know, gotten attached or connected to particular diet philosophies or particularly being goal-oriented and being a woman but or just being a human but being a woman, this being attached to this kind of culture of, you know, extreme weight loss or having gone on these really hardcore diets in the past in order to achieve that goal of like looking like the magazine or the person on, you know, the influencer on Instagram. And so like do you find that too that a lot of people are here in this space or have become aware of a thyroid problem because of that desire to lose weight or get to a particular body? Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say 100%. I'm probably maybe 98%. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Because, you know, particularly with hashies as opposed to graves, like if you've got an underactive thyroid, your metabolism is slow. And so we do tend to battle with weight. So, and I think for a lot of us, we've probably been on, on that sort of diet treadmill, often not knowing that we've got an underlying thyroid condition, like you said, which is meaning you're like you're running this uphill treadmill that you're never going to get to where you want to get. So then you push harder, try harder. Like I went through stages where I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the gym before work. So, you know, and obviously now, and then I'd, but then I'd finish my workout at the gym and then I'd go have my cappuccino and my Turkish bread toast with jam. And you know, it's like, because this was like still the early nineties and and I think that was so, you know, I did everything kind of wrong, really, really was wrong, like, you know, sacrificing sleep to pound it out at the, the gym, you know, burn my thyroid out more and then go and eat food that isn't thyroid friendly. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't think I'm unusual. Yeah, I think I'm fairly, yeah. And there'd be lots of people on that. I've just got to die not knowing that they've got an underlying thyroid problem. And I think that's where it is really important to get a full thyroid panel if you, you know, think that there's any possibility that you could have a thyroid condition, which is obviously isn't just about weight gain, but if you are in really doing all the things um, and you're not losing weight, you know, and maybe you've got some other thyroid symptoms, then definitely should go get them checked out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, it's funny you say that. It's like, you know, before 10 a.m., we've already laid up three things that are damaging the thyroid probably five or six hours sleep and then smashing the gym, probably cardio as well. Um, yeah. And then, you know, unhelpful carb rich protein deficient food. And it's just like, even though mentally we were at the time probably thinking like, Oh, look at me. I'm a picture of, you know, I should be on the poster at the gym. Um, but it's like, yeah, in context of the the thyroid or the body in general, it's like just smashed it with three doses of stress before 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Let's do it all again tomorrow, yeah. the next day. Because, you know, clearly all my, you know, the running on the treadmill is not working. I'm not, and I think this is where it, it, it gets into a very damaging pattern because you think, well, I'm obviously not, well, in that, especially in that calories in, calories out kind of, diet approach Mm -hmm. well I mustn't I'm not working out hard enough I'm not I must still be well I think for years I told myself I was just greedy and lazy 
You're just greedy and lazy, Annabelle. You're just, you're not getting up early enough. You're not pushing hard enough. You're obviously, you know, still eating too much. So you, and it wasn't that, you know, but for probably good 15 to 20 years of my life, that was the inner, inner message. You're just greedy and lazy. And I I wasn't. Yeah. That's awful to have that narrative going on in your head. Yeah. But I think that it's a, it's not an uncommon narrative. And I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally You work agree. with women <laughs> with emotional yep. eating issues all the time. So that's your business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, it's funny because I often talk about like the idea of um, permission, right? Giving oneself permission to enjoy a glass of wine or, or enjoy whatever thing it is. Um, and most people think they give themselves permission. They go, you know what? Stuff it. I'm going to do it. And then they go and do it. And then three or four hours later, they're lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, just being absolutely horrid to themselves about the decision that they made they might physically not feel amazing because of the food itself but then Mm. they've also got that like oh why are you so weak you know that this makes you feel like shit no i'm so lazy and i just i'm addicted to food and i suck Mm. and i'm i'm a terrible mother because like i keep telling my kids to eat veggies and i do this every night and yeah and it's just layers and power and i kind of had more willpower and yeah yeah totally and it's like it's not real permission it's just rule breaking like rebellious rule breaking, you know, and mm. and like, oh, I think changing that narrative alone is like a very big portion of reducing stress because it's back to what we we're talking about before the the stories yeah. and beliefs that one imposes on themselves based on the thoughts that they think, basically. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what I think when you're thinking like that, you're still in diet mentality. That's yeah. the way I look at it. It's not in that health mentality it's a diet mentality which yeah. is totally understandable because that's what we've been thrown that mm. you know we're still thrown that you know and it's still easy to like I feel like I'm largely out of that diet mentality but it doesn't take much to kind of for me to dip back into it you know yeah so but it's well I know there's some degree like you know and this is this is why it's such a gray conversation because and vague conversation because there's some degree of that which does maintain a standard within us right where it's like because it's like if you if you walk on the edge of the cliff and don't don't actually check in and be like oh this is a dangerous place to walk then you know you'll fall off the cliff right so it's like if you give yourself healthy permission every day it might not be a good idea because you'll yeah. have eaten the pancakes for 10 months in a row, basically. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, a, it's like a healthy skepticism, you know, it's like a healthy amount of self-regulation. But, um, but yeah, when it gets tips into savagery and just horribleness and like a lack of acceptance for what is then, yeah, then it obviously becomes damaging. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that helped to shift some of those thought processes was focusing on it's not just about losing weight and being skinny, but it's about being healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and look, to be honest, if I didn't have Hashimoto's and then oh, about um, eight years ago I was diagnosed with a brain lesion and that was probably the real kind of right, okay, it really doesn't matter if I don't ever fit into those size 10 pair of jeans. I just need to be able to walk up my stairs. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, maybe having those long-term health issues that I need to to keep managed because I don't want to acquire more autoimmune diseases and I don't want to get, you know, I want to live my life healthy. But that's probably what helped me make that shift from 
So then I, you know, it's like, well, that's, it was a less healthy choice, but you know, I, I don't find myself beating myself up like I, in that way, like I used to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's good it, progress. it was that shift. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that. I think that's um, amazing progress and it takes time because yeah, those neurons that support the way we have previously thought are thick and strong and ready to go as soon as we need them, which isn't always great. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, Curious to ask, on the journey that you've been on and, you know, going from being a lawyer and now doing what you do, writing books on thyroid health, like what did you believe five years ago about, well, anything really, but particularly the journey you've been on that you no longer believe now that's changed? Um, I, think what, I think what I'm just starting to really understand um, is in terms of thyroid health, like I think I've spent a lot of time being a bit angry at the medical system, or not so much at the system, at, the, at individual doctors. Well, why, why don't you understand about thyroid health? And like it affects one in eight women, so why can't you figure it out? Like surely that's, you know, it's so much more than just take a pill. Like why can't you see, why can't you see that? Like why can't you do anything about it? Why are all these women suffering so needlessly and they can't even get a full thyroid panel? like Mm -hmm. without having to fight for it. Like why, you know, and I think um, what I've just starting to under really understand and probably in the context of the last five years and all the bigger picture health stuff that's gone on in the last five years is that the system is, it's the system. It's not so much the individual doctors are doing what they're trained to do. Yeah. They're doing, they're doing what they, they are doing what they're trained to do. Mm -hmm. But the training is the like it's the way they've been taught. The system is broken. Yeah. Um, the system itself, the way that doctors are educated. I mean, if we talk specifically about thyroid, the way they're taught about that, like, is not enough. It's not in depth. It's not holistic. It's not you know. So the individual doctors, well, they are just doing what they're doing a good job with what they've been given. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's made me just recently feel a little more little less harsh perhaps a little more compassionate <laughs> towards doctors because i think all right yeah okay i mean obviously there are individual doctors that are amazing and do all sorts of you know and i have a great doctor and all of that but when i see so many people suffering it does make me angry that i think oh gosh like how you know but i'm not a doctor i don't understand all the pressures of and <laughs> you know people they're dealing with lots of different things but it's probably made that's probably what before I would was probably much more, well, simultaneously trusting, you know, and angry, like you know, trusting in a broad yeah. sense, but kind of annoyed that why why don't you understand that? Like you know, what's wrong with you? Whereas now I think okay, all right, I think the system has a lot of flaws, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think that well, you know, they're doing what they've been trained to do. So what? how that that's that's the problem yeah Mm. thanks for sharing that i appreciate it it's probably Mm. refreshing for some people to hear that because yeah they can maybe it challenges their belief systems of their practitioners that don't seem to be pointing them totally in the right direction so i appreciate that Mm. um and where can everybody find you on the interwebs where are they going to get your book and your podcast and all that jazz Oh, well, probably the best place to go is just to my website, which is AnnabelleBateman.com, A-N-N-A-B-E-L, Bateman.com. Uh, Everything is there. Uh, and 
yeah, I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. You'll find me. The, the website's probably the simplest thing. The book you can buy, if you're listening outside of Australia, uh, then the book, which is called Let's Talk Thyroid, is available on Amazon, print on demand all around the world, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, they just print one little book, you know, um, each time someone orders it. Uh, if you're in Australia, you can either buy it through Amazon or directly through me. Um, I've got boxes of them in my garage. So <laughs> if you're in Australia and you buy through me, you'll get one of those. And otherwise, if you're all around the world, you can grab a book um, yeah. through through Amazon. Amazing. And I'll put all of the links in the show notes below for everybody to head down there. So go and get a copy of Annabelle's book, um, which is great. I've read it. Um, and Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for sending it to me. Um, and for everybody else, obviously, if you listen to podcasts, you're here with us now. So go and check out Annabelle's podcast um, and take a screenshot of this episode, share it if you think people that need to hear this conversation um, lovingly blame me for pointing them in the right direction because you don't want to be the person at home that's like, you know, perpetually telling your partner, do this, do this, do this, do this. Just use me. Just use me as the person to start the argument and blame everything on me. But send them this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Annabelle, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? Or if they leave this conversation with one thing, what do you think it should be? Well, in the context of this conversation, (laughs) I'm going to say, Stress has a far bigger impact on your health than you realise. You know it, but you don't know it. And so I think we've got to really, really get a hold of that, that stress, regardless of whether you've got a thyroid condition or not, stress impacts our body far more than we, far more than we realise. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I totally agree. So everyone stress less because it's just that easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unwind. I talk about unwinding because I didn't want to say in the the book, the chapter is called unwind because I thought, oh, that's sort of got like it. The words are important, aren't they? And, you know, I think that um, I didn't want to call it stress management. I just like unwind. Let's all learn to unwind, be unhurried, be just, yeah. I like Um, it. I like hmm. it. Well, thanks for being here and thanks for having this conversation and um, I hope we catch up soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Maddie. I always, yeah, really enjoy talking to you. So, yeah, you're welcome anytime. Thanks. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.